And now, it's time for the Tech EU Drive at 5 with Robin Bouters and Dan Taylor. Let's do this. Well, all right, all right, all right. You have found it. This is the Tech EU Drive at 5. I am your host, Dan Taylor, and we are the droids you're looking for. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It has been... Shall we say a hot minute? We can say a hot minute. Do the kids still say that? I don't know. It's it's been a while since we've been uh, on the air. And Robin, we're popular. I got a lot of email. That's not true. I was on the air last week, but it was alone. Yeah, but I, I well, I got different kinds of email about that. But I got a lot of email, particularly. Thank you for those of you in the U.S. Who knew? U.S. listeners and uh, the Netherlands. So Dankjewel for uh, phoning it in and saying what's happening. Uh, so this week for episode 20, we thought we'd bring almost the whole crew. Well, yeah, the editorial crew, right? So joining us, we have uh, Callum Cyrus, who's been with us for quite some time. Now, we're, we're starting to think he's actually AI. We can all see each other. Callum's the only one who doesn't have a webcam because he's, I don't know what he's, uh, he's, he's what, 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 what's, what's the story there, Callum? What is with the webcam? It's a broken Chromebook situation. I have two computers. Usually the Chromebook sits and does the webcam for me nicely out of the way, but the plugs, the power adapter is broken. So so wait one week, I'll have it back. Can, can somebody call tech support and get that fixed for him, please? <laughs> right. And then and then our, our, our recent addition to the team. So glad we have a woman with us. Thank God. Kate Lawrence. Hi, Kate. Hello. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here. Right. All right. Well, listen, we'd like to keep these shows short and sweet, but man, we got four four hot journalists here who've all got something to say. So let's dive right into it. Robin, you're up. Give me the bad news first and then give me the really bad news. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to start really positive with more layoffs. I do this almost every week now, which is part of the story in itself. Uh, but yeah, layoffs, lots and lots of layoffs. Uh, SAP, uh, the German software giant, became the latest tech giant, uh, cutting 3,000 jobs. It's only about 2.5% of its workforce, but that's a lot of people. Um, Spotify, of course, they're letting go of 6% of its staff uh, in a restructuring that also saw its uh, chief con- content officer and advertising lead, uh, Don Ostroff, heading for the exit. Uh, we have Amsterdam listed Prosus and its parent Naspers. Uh, they're planning to cut their corporate workforce by 30%, uh, which is notable because we're talking about one of the, the largest e-commerce companies by asset value in Europe. Uh, and then we have London-based crypto uh, exchange, Luno. Uh, they're cutting 35% of its workforce. Uh, not much of a surprise given the state of the crypto market, uh, but that's about 330 jobs. And then there was Scoro and Coach Hub and Tier uh, cutting between 7 and 10% of their workforce. So the list goes on. The end is not yet inside, my friends, and it's very, very rough out there still. But this is, uh, I mean, let, let's put a positive spin on this, shall we? This is this is good news for any up and coming entrepreneurs, right? I mean, this is flooding the market with talent. Mm. Yes, but not all of the talent is an entrepreneur or should be an entrepreneur. And uh, for some for some people, this is really really impacting uh, their livelihood. So of course, of course. But of course, it's it's part of a correction that was uh, due to happen anyway. Uh, all of these companies hired too quickly, hired with you know, projections inside that never really panned out. So uh, it is not much of a surprise, but it's still painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad, but true. Uh, Moving on to more positive stuff. Callum, uh, I'm sitting here in a vest and a hat and gloves because, quite frankly, it's cold. You did a story this week about thermostats. Fun fact, it was one of our best performing stories this week, so well done. 
Uh, tell us about it. What, what's happening? What's shaking? Uh, we've, we've tracked a couple of deals in the smarter buildings um, space last week. Suggest deal activities heating up early this year. Uh, obviously, energy costs and climate change, evidently big drivers. Uh, but there's some variations in the startups that have raised funding. Uh, first, and the perhaps biggest deal is Munich's Tardo had a pretty big fundraise for 43 million euro. Um, the startup does smart thermostats that are pretty integral in consumer-facing energy tech. It says it has 3 million units installed in homes. Uh, but it's raising funding to add some novel features to make smart thermostats even more efficient. For example, keeping track of energy demand automatically to encourage more energy use outside of peak loads. Uh, staying in Germany, uh, the real estate player Venovia has made a strategic investment play backing Austrian sustainable homes developer Gropius. Uh, from what I could gather, from what I could gather, Gropius is currently building its second sustainable homes development in a region straddling the border of Germany and Austria, as well as Switzerland. Uh, intelligent controls again are at the heart of Gropius's pitch. It has building operating systems to optimize the, the living environments in its new buildings, but it's also differentiated on the sustainability of the materials it uses thanks to prefab timber components from its factory in Riechen. Hope I've pronounced that right, Austria. <laughs> right. Very good. Very good. You know, speaking of Gropius, fun fact, and I'm just going to throw this in here uh, because I am I hope I'm not the only one that caught this, but when I saw the company named Gropius, does anyone with us know Gropius, Walter Gropius? I know Gropius Bell, which is a um, an art institution in Berlin. Ah, okay. You're on the right track, Kate. Well, Walter Gropius, Walter Adolf Georg Gropius, in fact, uh, was born the 18th of May, 1883. He died the 5th of July, 1969. But he is often attributed as the architect and founder of the Bauhaus School. Oh, yes. Oh, so I thought very, very, very apropos name for a company uh, working in the smart housing space. Speaking of space, watch this bridge, Kate. Watch how I'm going to do this. All right. Space, the final frontier where we... Um, jettison our souls off into after we no it's not working kate help me out here you wrote about death this week yeah i think you're talking about the idea of what happens after we leave this earthly room um whether you're talking about your body your heart no longer beating whether you call that death whether you call it something else that's up to you but um nice yeah thing, basically Thanks. i've been using the opportunity to dig into some interesting companies that you might not have been able to really find out about. And this one's actually in my street. So I walk past their um, their vehicle, which I'll tell you about in a minute, every day. Um, and they're called Tomorrow Biostasis. And they're basically, they're, their whole remit is about cryopreservation, which is the idea that um, upon death, you can be, um, your temperature can be lowered and you can be kept at a particular state um, of being through uh, machinery and refrigeration, shall we say, um, cooling. And um, once there's a certain amount of technology, which does not exist currently, um, that is able to cure you, firstly, of whatever caused your death, but secondly, is able to revive you, so to bring you back to life. Now, this might, might be 50 years, it could be 100 years, could be longer. And so, yeah, this is a company where the um, the founder, who's a, a medical doctor, has made it. He's after you know he's already founded a number of 
companies which has exited. He's you know, raised funds and so on, and he's made it his life's work that he's donating it to cryopreservation. Wow. Well, this is this must be good news for Walt Disney, right? <laughs> there we go. I'm, I'm glad somebody got that. I was waiting for a future of a joke, actually. <laughs> can I can I just um, say that you have the coolest companies on your street? I don't have anything like that on my street. Well, I mean, I'm. Our office is um, in Berlin. I live in Berlin for the listeners. Um, we're right around the corner from the Chinese embassy, so you can see all the little cameras and stuff. Um, we're also close to three um, Berlin techno clubs slash sex clubs. So it's, it's all happening in Berlin. <laughs> is there a difference in Berlin, really? I mean, it's Not so much. kind of, yeah, no. <laughs> well, my, my street has about two trees and garbage containers. That's about it. It sounds relaxing. Ro- Robin lives on a golf course. <laughs> Oh, next wow. two, no, next, next two. Oh, sorry, pardon me. I live next to the T. Pardon me, pardon me. All right, well, uh, teeing that up so nicely for me, Robin. Let me talk about. You're welcome. Let me talk about uh, one that caught my eye this week, which was Pascal. Pasquale? Pascal. What do we think? Thoughts? I mean, it's a French company. How would you say it, Robin? French speaker, Pascal. I would just go for Pascal. Uh, maybe Pascal. Well, anyway, so what they're doing is they work in the quantum space and they pulled down a 100 million euro Series B round this week that was led by Temasek. As far as I can tell, this is one of the biggest rounds ever in quantum. Uh, and the announcement came out one day after WeLink, which is another Paris-based uh, quantum player, and they both happen to be working in the neutral atoms approach to quantum. Now, I don't want to go into it too far, but, you know, a good chance to nerd out, I will always take. Uh, the ion trap me- mechanism of measuring qubits has has been the uh, flavor du jour lately. Both WeLink and Pascal are working in the neutral atom sector, which makes it quite unique. They're both based in Paris, so they're very much putting uh, Paris on the map as a uh, potential home for quantum. So I thought that was. Uh, That was pretty interesting stuff, but, or and I should say, the other one that really caught my eye, and apparently a bunch of you uh, readers out there as well, this was actually spotted by Kate, so hat tip to Kate Lawrence. Thank you for for pulling this one down. Uh, I just just happened to, I was eating lunch, I I looked at the Trello board and went, ooh, fun move, I'm on it. Not even realizing, oh, that might have been Kate's story. So sorry if I stole that one from you, but uh, oh, but, let, but let's Kate, let's 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 nerd out on this one, L- listeners. You you all know who Van Moof is or Van Moof, if if we want to anglicize it. Um, Dutch developer and designer of electric bikes. Uh, I don't want to say builder because I get called on that one out on that when I say that because ninety nine point forty four percent of their yeah, Robin the, and he's giving me the big eyes right now. They do not build them in the Netherlands anymore. It's all Correct. it's all outsourced to Taiwan. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a, a little I don't want to say a little, but there was a blurb that popped up in a Dutch financial paper FD. I'm wondering is, is that linked to the FT FD? It has to be. No. Huh. Well, they've done a great yeah. job of uh, lifting the branding because even the font and the uh, uh, page color is the same. Yeah, that's not a coincidence. And the same with uh, in Belgium, the TAT does the same thing. Oh, 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 right, right. Well, yeah, should we ever want to rebrand? Uh, yes. So what happened was the FD crunched uh, Van Moof's 2021 numbers and uh, the math didn't really add up. What they figured out was the 2021 sales numbers topped out at just over 80 million, but... The cost to actually sell the bikes amounted to roughly, I'm going to ballpark this, 92 million, resulting in a net loss of 11.9 million. Uh, that's a figure up 5.2 million euros from the year before. 
So in other words, the more bikes FanMoof sells, makes and sells, the more money they're losing. Uh, now, this is obviously not good news for uh, FanMoof. And again, as I mentioned, uh, from what I've gathered, and, and Kate, back me up on this, jump, feel free to jump in. Ooh. From what Kate and I have gathered, I should say, uh, it's all due to uh, quality control. Production is supply chain, mm -hmm. quality control. Um, yeah, yeah dig, digging into this, I went back and looked at a few previous FanMoof uh, pieces that I'd written. Um, you know, and and the, I mean, they've they've had supply chain issues since the S3, I think, uh, and the X3, mm -hmm. and they're on the, they're trying to push out the S5 right now. Uh, they've also got some limited edition bike, which looks great, but apparently you can't even buy the thing. Maybe it's a good thing you can't buy it because every time you buy it, they lose more money. <laughs> I think the part of the problem is they're um, you know these are custom bikes. I mean, they look great, sure, mm. but they're custom bikes where they're not only having to build the parts. Um, offshore, they're also building the equipment to, you know, they're making the equipment that makes the parts. Mm. And so you've got this residual effect still from the supply chain shortages we've seen in, in the industrial space from, you know, from COVID and, and then on. And I think part of the problem we've said that will really hold them back is that reliance on international um, construction manufacturing. I mean, I think to be exact, they probably um, build the parts um, offshore and they probably build the bikes onshore, mm, so locally. Mm. That's probably how they get around it sort of thing for marketing purposes. Um, but, I mean, we are seeing a trend now in Europe where a lot of companies in the bike space and probably scooters as well are wanting to source local parts. They're making it part of that sort of circular design ethos, you know, build locally. Um, how can we um, re reuse parts? How can we, um, you know, uh, recycle sustainably? All these sorts of things. And I think the other thing is that you only need to look at some of their marketing. And I had a quick look on their social media. It's not a great look to be, um, you know, doing collaborations with um, with brands, you know, sort of fashion brands and so on, where you're showing off these are our new bikes. When every almost every comment is people saying, "I ordered a bike. Where's my bike?" <laughs> you know, that these are these are ostensibly um, direct to consumer brands. They're about building communities yeah. where they've built these loyal followings of people you know, they aren't just buying them in a bricks and mortar stores, they're buying them online, you know, they're going to, so they, they've got people coming to repair their bikes, all these sort of ideas. And you have to keep those people close, because it's word of mouth. Yeah. And if you piss off those people, you're going to be in a world of pain. That's right. And and we're not talking about just some cheap bike here, either. I mean, these yeah. things are 2500 three grand. Show of hands, who actually has an electric bike in this group? I have Dan's raising his hand. I Callum, we can't see. So, Callum, do you have an electric bike? I'm sitting on an electric bike right now. No. Ah! Are you serious? No, really? no, not at all. This is why we can't see him. He's actually out get, doing the weekly shop. He's not doing anything, really. <laughs> but I actually, I don't have one, but I'm in the market for one. And I, I was actually considering that move. But after the story from this week, I think I'm going to look elsewhere. Yeah, I don't have any there. Unfortunately, most of them are too tall for me. Being a five foot two woman, they're not building for my my market, sadly. Kate, you mentioned uh, European uh, producers sourcing locally. Robin, you wouldn't happen to know any local European bike manufacturer, Belgium, would you? Cuff, cowboy, cuff, no, not at all. <laughs> right. Except <And> for <clears throat> cowboy. <clears throat> I'd also uh, mention Mokimono, which is a small brand in the... Um, in uh, the Netherlands, that's also doing some really cool stuff. Ooh, 
Ooh, there's um, one I don't know. Even some of the fleet companies doing, you know, those sort of, you know, I know the micromobility space is, you know, also not in a great position if we look at sort of hires and things like that. But some of the fleet companies are actually doing some interesting things as well that we should probably do. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. we're going to do some live commissioning for a story. Kate, you're hereby assigned a feature on e-bikes in Europe and e-bikes, uh, sure. e-bike manufacturers. No worries. I can do that. Perfect. Ampler. This is how it works, guys. This is journalism at work. Journalism at work. <laughs> Speaking of journalism at work, I mean, we're, uh, how are we doing on time? We, Matt, we're, all right, we're getting close to the mark. I try to keep these under 20 minutes and we're hitting the mark. Robin, you got one more thing. Really, make it one more thing, Robin. Yes, very quickly. I spent uh, a whole day this week in Brussels at the Clean Tech for Europe uh, Summit. For those who don't know, uh, Clean Tech for Europe is an organization uh, that wants to, you know, put together investors, uh, policymakers, and scale-ups uh, in the clean tech space. Uh, they did their annual summit in Brussels this week. It was incredibly interesting uh, for me. Uh, it's sort of uh, adjacent to the the general tech startup space that we cover, uh, but not entirely. Uh, a part of it, uh, because there's still a lot of these things like manufacturing and, and components and materials uh, that's sort of outside of our typical uh, tech sphere. But it was incredibly interesting for me. Why? Because they brought together um, policymakers and scale-ups uh, on stage, and they also mixed them in the panel discussions. And you could very, very clearly see the difference between the two. On the one hand, you had the policymakers saying, you know, this is what we're doing in response to the IRA uh, in the U.S., uh, this is how much money we're pumping into clean tech. I think the number was 800 billion euros uh, in, in the next 10 years. Um, you know, this, these are all the instruments that we have. These are all the measures that we're taking. These are the regulation that we're uh, either implementing or removing. And then he had the scale-ups and the founders and the, the markets actually on stage. And they were saying, listen, whatever you're doing, it's not enough. It's not fast enough, and, and, and we're running behind. And uh, there was a clear disconnect between the two audiences there, and it was incredibly interesting to see that dynamic. And it's something that I'm going to spend uh, a little bit more time on, on researching. So it was a pretty smooth show then? Yeah, it was. It was, because it was with mutual respect, of course, uh, but very, very <laughs> strong, opinionated uh, scale-up founders, which I always appreciate. Did you feel some of those messages were delivered, like that someone was getting, a, getting the message? I think so. Um, Margareta Vestager uh, opened the event, uh, but she actually stayed after her talk. She stayed uh, for another hour or so uh, to listen to some of the people on stage, to talk uh, to people in the hallway. So so I was quite impressed with that. That's impressive. Well, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of a smooth show, I think we've had one. Uh, Let's just cut it right here. If uh, nobody else has anything to add, good, right. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for The Drive at Five this week. I've been joined, as always, by Pink Floyd bassist Roger Waters. On drums was Callum Cyrus. Lead guitar is Kate Lawrence. My name is Dan Taylor. Yours is not. Have a great weekend, everybody. We are out of here. Okay, never mind. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll fix that in post. Okay, ready? We're gonna come back in. Um, speaking of bridges, right? Yeah, right, and I right. put I put Callum on the spot, so just cut the whole thing. Cut the whole thing.